Over the years, I've been part of a lot of discussions that contrasted shaping versus prompting when using mark and reward training. The two styles can be very different, and how they get behavior from the dog is going to make a difference in how they respond. But is one method better than another? It's an interesting question, and I think both approaches to training have their pros and cons. This is Canine Nation. This is episode 99, and it's July 7th, 2014. In addition to these podcasts, Canine Nation appears at Life is a Human, the online magazine. You can find an archive of all the Canine Nation articles at caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. Canine Nation also has its own website at caninenation.ca, and here you can find an archive and links to all of our podcasts and all of the articles at Life is a Human. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Eric Brad. We're very excited this week to announce that Canine Nation now has a presence on Patreon.com. Patreon is a website created to allow artists and content creators to get in touch directly with their fan base. So if you could take a look at the website at Patreon.com forward slash Canine Nation, we have a number of rewards we can offer you for small financial contributions every month to help us keep the lights on here and even extend Canine Nation into some new projects like video production. It's been a nice week up here. Summer is in full swing. The sun is out and it's warm outside. So be sure to look after your dogs out there in the heat. Remember that a car even with the windows vented, can get very hot very quickly. So if at all possible, try not to leave your dogs in vehicles. Also, make sure your dogs stay well hydrated and well exercised in the summer months. When it comes to the question of shaping or prompting when using mark and reward training, I definitely consider myself more of a prompter than a shaper. It just seems to make more sense to me. I've been told by other trainers that shaping might be a better option and may make my dogs more comfortable during the training process. I've found that that may or may not be true depending on the dog and depending on the trainer. Both methodologies have pros and cons and I wanted to explore that a bit. So I hope you enjoy my article, The Shape of Modern Dog Training. One of the most effective training techniques to come to modern dog training over the past 20 years or so has been mark and reward training. Clicker training is a form of mark and reward training. It's a process of training that creates a marker signal that lets the dog know when the behavior they just performed was the correct one and that you're going to give them a reward. The main distinction of this kind of training is the use of a unique marker signal that is first taught to the dog. It's a way to communicate, to say, that's right, that's what I was looking for. It's an interesting technique for more than one reason. Initially, the dog is taught that the marker signal means that a reward has been earned. Most dogs, once they learn this, quickly realize that it can be great fun to try to get the trainer to use the marker. 
Once they offer one or two behaviors that reliably produce the marker and the reward, they seem eager to keep trying. Training becomes a two-way game of the trainer trying to get the dog to produce a particular behavior and the dog trying to offer whatever behavior might get the marker and the reward. The main challenge in using mark and reward training is that I have to have a clear idea of the behavior that I want to mark and then somehow I have to get my dog to do that behavior. The whole process depends on my dog doing the behavior so that I can mark it and then reward her. This is where mark and reward training gets interesting. There are basically two ways to use this kind of training with a dog. I can wait until my dog just happens to perform the behavior I want, or I can find a way to get her to do that behavior so that I can mark and reward it. Waiting for my dog to offer me the behavior I'm looking for is called shaping. It's called shaping because I have to start by marking some small behavior that may be only a small part of the whole behavior that I'm looking for. For example, if I'm trying to train my dog to sit, I could begin shaping by marking and rewarding any movement in her back end. By carefully marking greater and greater movement of my dog's backside toward the floor, she will eventually offer me the behavior of putting her backside all the way down to the floor. Another approach would be to somehow get my dog to do the whole sit behavior before ever marking anything. I might do that by dangling a bit of food back over her head so that when she looks up, she naturally sits. I could also push gently on her back end and mark if she puts her backside on the floor. Or I can wait until a time of day that I have noticed that she usually sits on her own and be ready to mark and reward the sit at that time. All of these approaches will attempt to mark the whole behavior rather than just a smaller part of it, as in shaping. Those who enjoy shaping behaviors with mark and reward training often cite one important advantage of this kind of training. It very quickly teaches the dog to offer a variety of behaviors. An important part of shaping is that you do not punish the dog for incorrect responses. The dog is allowed to continue to offer variations of a behavior until they discover what gets the reward. And with no fear of being wrong, they can develop a wonderfully creative approach to training. The downside of shaping is that it can take time. It can take several iterations until you put the whole behavior together, but if you are marking and rewarding frequently, you will have an enthusiastic training partner. Another potential pitfall is if you do not appropriately prepare your dog for shaping. Remember, you are literally waiting for the dog to do something that you can mark, and if it takes too long, a dog can get bored or frustrated and just give up. It's also important to be a good trainer if you use shaping. You will get the best results if you mark and reward behaviors frequently enough to keep your dog eager to play the training game and still be able to ask for a little bit more so you can move toward your goal behavior. In the words of author and animal trainer Karen Pryor, in order to mark a behavior, you must have a behavior to mark. There are any number of ways to get a dog to do a behavior that we want to mark. Anything that we do to try to get our dog to do a particular behavior is called a prompt. We are prompting them to do something so that we can mark and reward it. 
prompts come in various forms. Holding a piece of food out for a dog so that they will move toward it is a form of prompt that we call luring. Pointing or indicating something is another form of prompting. Placing objects in the immediate area so the dog must avoid running into them is yet another form of prompting. Regardless of what you introduce into your training to prompt your dog to give you a behavior that you can mark and reward, that prompt will need to be removed at some point. This is so that the dog knows that it's the behavior that they're doing and not the prompt itself that is getting the mark and reward. And this is the tricky side of prompting. The more elaborate the prompting you introduce to get a behavior, the more complicated it will be to remove it from the training so that only the goal behavior remains. The trap that trainers that use prompts fall into most often is that their prompts are seen by the dog as a necessary part of the behavior. If we use a piece of food to get our dog to spin in a circle without fading that prompt out of the picture, the dog may think that they are only supposed to spin in the presence of the food. Clever trainers will often use prompts that look very much like the cue or hand signal for the completed behavior once training is finished. It simply turns that prompt into the cue for the behavior. So which approach to training makes the most sense to dogs, shaping or prompting? Well, I think that depends on what you teach your dog to expect. A dog who is largely raised with prompting may become confused and frustrated when you attempt to shape a behavior with them. That's because they expect some indicator to get them started. On the other hand, a dog who is used to being shaped is likely to begin offering behaviors without waiting for any prompting, and if you attempt to stop them and introduce prompts, they may perceive this as aversive and just stop trying. What we teach our dogs to expect from us, as trainers, has a tremendous impact on how successful a particular method of training will be. If I have raised my dog primarily as a prompted learner, I have an obligation to approach training armed with the information my dog will be expecting. And, if I have raised my dog primarily as a shaped learner, I need to come with the appropriate patience and planning to move smoothly as I mark and reward variations on offered behaviors until we get to our goal. Both prompting and shaping can be used to achieve great results in teaching our dogs. Proponents of one method or another may have their reasons to prefer one over the other, but the truth is that it will depend heavily on what our dogs expect of us during training. Managing my dog's expectations means I'm also managing her stress and comfort levels during training. I have learned from my experience that a less stressed and less frustrated dog just learns better. And that has taught me to think things through before I begin training and come prepared to be a good teacher. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I have two resources for you to check out this week regarding shaping versus prompting. The first is at tinyurl forward slash cn2014-fading. It's an article on fading prompts and lures called How to Fade Prompts and Lures by Pat Miller. It's from the Whole Dog Journal. The second is a great article from Dog Training Excellence, a website that offers all kinds of tips on training. It's an article with step-by-step -step instructions on how to get you started with shaping. You can find it 
at tinyurl.com forward slash cn2014 dash shaping. Don't forget you can pick up any of my ebooks from dogwise.com, a great resource for anything you're looking for with regard to dogs, DVDs, books, toys, and more. Also check out our Canine Nation Facebook page and our Canine Nation Forum Facebook group. We also have a Canine Nation Google Plus community where you can also add your discussions if you prefer that. And finally, we have a Twitter account that you can communicate with us on. It's canine underscore nation. If you have a question or comment for us, please feel free to contact the Canine Nation podcast at barks at caninenation.ca. We look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, take care of the dogs. Bye for now.